0: Ultimately, it comes down to clarity of thought on like, what are we trying to do here? And uh, and typically clarity is about eliminating options and then aligning with values. In this case, the pandemic has taken out significant amount of options. And instead of complaining that it has, you could go with like, well, I just wanna eliminate options. It's already been done for me, the work is done. So my call to action would be like align with values, be very clear about the values that you stand for, what you're trying to achieve and then get the clarity And then there are many ways to achieve that.
1: Hello and welcome. I'm Rob Levitt and you're listening to C-Suite Marketing, expert conversations on how to tackle one of the toughest challenges for B2B marketing, building trusted relationships with clients and prospects at the senior executive level. C-Suite Marketing is brought to you by Boardroom Insiders, a business intelligence platform that makes executive engagement easier than ever. Learn more at boardroominsiders.com. Learn more about this podcast at itsma.com. Check out today's show notes and other episodes of C-Suite Marketing. Now for today's show. I'm thrilled to be joined today by Pradeep Yuen, Director of Customer and Field Experience at Microsoft and leader of Microsoft Services Executive Board, an award-winning program that we'll be discussing for a good part of today's session. Pradeep, welcome. Thanks for joining the conversation today.
0: Yeah, thanks, Rob. Very excited to be here.
1: Well, good. And where are you today, Pradeep?
0: Well, I'm at home in Issaquah. Uh, uh, Well, we're all at home these days, I guess. Uh, but if this is, Issaquah would be the other side of the lake uh, of Seattle.
1: Great. Okay. So near Microsoft. Yes. Uh, excellent. So how have you been doing amidst this uh, lockdown? Well, th- this has been challenging on different fronts, as is with everybody else. There
0: is health comes to, f- health comes to bear as number one. And then there's family, all the mental health, the school closing down changes, the dynamics of how your everyday uh, comes to bear. Uh, Then there is the business and also in terms of, you know, how are we engaging with our customers, what are our programs going, rethinking the whole thing and lining up with it. Uh, But we're all healthy. We are doing the best we can. Uh, So morale is as good as
1: it gets. Excellent. All right. So good. A good kickoff to the discussion because we really are, uh, the premise behind this series is the rethink that we all need to do with executive engagement because so much of the kinds of programs that we typically run are face-to-face, are in person. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So, uh, Just tell us a little bit more though about your overall role and focus and kind of your background with executive engagement. Sure,
0: Um, so my current role, I'm the Director for Customer Experience at Microsoft Services. Uh, Microsoft Services is the consulting and the support arm for Microsoft. So uh, we have offices around the world, we have professionals around the world who help our customers in their digital transformation journey. My specific role is in terms of going deeper with the C-suite. How do we have those conversations Uh, With the executives, how do we start challenging them to rethink how uh, they would want to approach uh, their business? And that's interesting because we are giving insights about a business that they run for a longer period of time. And you do that with respect, but also some level of candor uh, so that you can transform the industry at your, you know, where you are leading that conversation as opposed to being dealt the cards and then you have to react to it. So that role um, is something that I kind of try to parse out, get insights on and then share with our broader team so that they can uh, together form programs that help our field take it to a customer. That's why my title reads Field and Customer Experiences. One is listening, and the other one is working with the field, so that uh, the machine that is Microsoft can work to our broader uh, customer bases to enable digital transformation for uh, for all of our customers
1: in their ecosystems. All right. So you're, you're you're teasing, I think, into my next question, <laughs> which is that you know, for a long time in B2B marketing and sales have always tried to reach into C-suite. And it's never been easy. There's been a lot of interesting activity and programs. And again, you know, you guys are doing a really, really good job. So step back before the last couple of months. Tell us a little bit about why you've been successful. What does it take to really engage at a a high level successfully? Before
0: the whole COVID-19, I would say some fundamentals have not changed. But let's talk about the before. Uh, some things that we did, uh, we really honed in on is like, we make sure that our mission was super clear. And uh, Satya has led us to this change in terms of, we are here to empower everyone to achieve more. And when you say everyone, it's like everyone on the planet, that is individuals, that is educators, that is health professionals, that is our customers in a B2B scenario. And empowered to achieve more, again, gives us enough freedom to explore experiences and conversations with everyone uh, in an inclusive manner. Now, the way we started doing that from the context of what I do is like getting down to like, can I get insights? So that's a listening uh, kind of engagement, like let's actually listen before we push down content. Uh, And listening was the first major thing that we could do a lot more about and then instead of talking about pushing content, it was about like, how can I best personalize so that customers would want to pull on their terms? So that ability for like, let's get the insight so that the pull happens from the customer, let's personalize to them, uh, was something we, we, we did. That was our number one. Second, we definitely were super high touch. Again, pre-COVID-19, that's a good term. Pre-social distancing touch is is a good thing. You you shake hands. you you can see somebody's eyes. You can almost feel the warmth of your smile, uh, non-digitally. All that was something we prioritized on, especially in the C-suite. Yes, you can email, yes, you can do all of that. But when you actually get a couple of executives together for a short period of time, decisions happen, relationships move forward. It's just us, there's the people element to that executive uh, Kind of engagement—it's uh, very hard to replicate, and that—that's how we approach that end. That work, that as opposed to a whole, you know, funnel, digital reach, high touch was a high priority, as you would have seen because you would have read the write-up.
1: I was just going to say, so describe the the sessions a little bit more, because when you say high touch, I mean you, I, I you know, I know a little <laughs> bit of the background, and you're talking very intensive, a couple of days together, small group. Tell us a little more about about work. sure.
0: Uh, So our high touch was on two ends. High touch in the sense of how the customers was uh, going through it, but high touch in in the sense of we would orchestrate every little part of how they shall reach those conversations and how we shall move forward. So yes, we would bring in these 30 executives. They were all C-suite. They were CEOs and CIOs. That was it. The CEOs and CIOs, some CEOs, but no one outside that. It was also not more than 30 people, and they were there for a tenure of two years, uh, and they were our advisory board, and that's the board we call the Services Executive Board. Uh, and they would come for two and a half days to a location that we would choose. It would be Redmond uh, or Seattle area for one uh, one of the years. Uh, it could be London. It could be Shanghai. Uh, and, and it was it was in that context that we would actually bring them in. So it was high touch as in like 30 C-level executives coming together for two and a half days. And they had to leave their businesses, their companies they were running to come and be part of figuring out what are the challenges Microsoft is facing? How can we explore these questions ahead of us? And they saw value in doing that because we were not talking technology. We were talking about how can we help transformed industries with you for you and they wanted to be part of that they wanted to see how are the other industries doing that how is another vendor doing that and then they could get ideas and uh, almost co-create how we can all move forward that conversation was super high touch uh, because you had to orchestrate how do you ask that question so that everyone can bring to bear their ideas without it being a conflict But at the same time, it was some level of constructive tension that you can make sure is there so that the creative juices flow. Um, That required a lot of experience, design work, some level of uh, understanding how would people react and you would experiment quite a lot. Uh, But more importantly, it was high touch in the sense of the challenges and the business problems we brought to bear would not be a pitch, a demo, or anything where we knew the answer very clearly and uh, we were not presenting to, we were asking questions where the answers could be a whole lot of things, where statistics or data will not give the answer. You really had to have it debate. bait. Um, that, yeah. uh, that is yeah. something that we designed very clearly, the, the content of it, and then the execution of it, and an orchestration is really the right word. For we orchestrated experience on how we engage uh, our customers.
1: Right, and that collaboration is a really important part of it. And I think often for, for marketers, for sales, for our own executives, it's, it's hard sometimes to put yourself forward as if you don't have all the answers. <laughs> Clearly, we don't. <laughs> but accepting that and opening up that way, I know you've talked about that before, how important that is.
0: It it is a transformational change that, uh, I've I've had to do this with our execs and it's a continuing uh, journey. But Microsoft does have a culture uh, where uh, Satya has brought in, let's start thinking growth mindset. And he actually makes the comment around, uh, let's, let's actually pivot so that we can be always learning. And each time we get into like, okay, here's what we need the customers to hear, or here's what, exec wants to hear, I ask them, how do you know this? Is that your hypothesis? How have you tested this? And, and usually it's an opinion and which one like, okay, what does it take to prove you wrong or can we validate this for you and make it better? And that gives a pause. Let's actually embrace my growth mindset. And uh, there are times when we... When the exec would have data or our level of stories and you go like okay fair enough you got the checkpoint still that means what is the next problem where you don't know the answer to right because that's how you want to engage this audience there are other reasons where uh, you know you have differently but for the executive board that we run uh, we share problems where we are in the middle of or we're just starting to embrace such so tougher conversations um awesome. therefore uh asking the right problem and, then, and, and and bringing that to bear uh, is, is, is is a design kind of uh, activity.
1: You also, I know, spend a lot of time designing the group. Yes. It's not just these are our top 30 accounts. Right. So tell us a little bit about that process too.
0: Yes, so these are not our top 30 accounts. Um, and in fact, they're not. That, That was quite a debate that I had very early on uh, when people wanted the top 30 accounts and it's very hard to say no to a pipeline, which is a significantly bigger number. Let's go in like 10, 20 X, the other account where I want. But the thought was always around representation and getting different ideas. So when you're talking about transformation, your next big transformation uh, could be coming out of Africa, could be coming out of some part of Asia. Right. Um, and it's, it's, it could be a leapfrog kind of a way. It's not about technology, it's just a way of how uh, the problem is actually refactored or rethought about or, or how they're approaching it. Uh, you would never get that unless you bring them to the table. And if you just go with where's the current money and the biggest pocket and filter everybody else out, you would not get to innovate. So we have 14 areas that we uh, geographical areas in which we understand our businesses and then we look at uh, five priority industries that again, just to look at segmentation. we cut that in, in that place. Uh, early on we made, I made it very clear that I want representation across all priority industries and and about five after that I don't want from there uh, or six if you go for it. And then let's look at areas, and then be very specific and uh, have representation of at least one, but not more than three, um, uh, except U.S. because uh, U.S. is just significantly bigger, but still not ten. It's really like U.S. gets five maximum. You can get three, and then uh, you go for. It. So we have customers from Malta. Uh, it's 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 a government from Malta. It's not. It's a much smaller uh, country compared to, you know, let's look at any of our federal entities who are also on our board. Um, But the way they engage, their fundamental questions are still similar. The scale is different. Mm -hmm. Their resource allocation is significantly low. We are talking about. 0.1x compared to federal Uh, (laughs) and if you look at per capita allocation per citizen also is like it's it's just Mm -hmm. which means they have to innovate significantly uh, more because especially during covid their -hmm. needs are still the same a human need is still the same how are you getting it uh, yeah uh, do that so we have all these interesting ways so it was by representation across industries and across areas i know i said five and i said 30 though there's another one set other so five times six uh, right. okay <laughs> five times five you know five plus one six so that it gives you thirty that that's how we uh, did that then each time there's a nomination that comes in um, because these are C level executives as you know any sales uh, kind of they push for their candidate or their account of and course revenues how they do that and if that doesn't work then there's a lot of political muscle through the org structure right. they do right. Um, so to not get into that conversation consistently, I actually built a 15-variable uh, weighted model where we would we would start weighting out these kind of non-quantifiable factors mm-hmm. which were important. Where was that industry already represented? If it was, your score is slightly lesser. If it has already met the threshold, your score is significantly lesser. Yeah. Then we look at diversity. We look at uh, we look at also in terms of area representation. Uh, we look at the individual, like, is that individual, if I just search that person on, on Bing, then have they, have they done interviews before? Have they been right. keynote speakers? And then how are they on social? Uh, and they could be zero on all of it and still be a great uh, uh, presenter. But these are variables you look at. There are 15 such variables. Some can be really low, some can be really high, but it's the holistic approach to think right. through all that. And uh, and this was not like just some genius idea. This was just how oh. universities look at applicants. And that's where we took the idea from. Excellent uh, admissions off because I used to work at the admissions office at Carnegie Mellon. <laughs> I would understand how how they would look at uh, different applicants across all these variables. Even if your GMAT and GPA was low, there was other ways in which you could get in. And it was about all these holistical ways and then how they would have these debates. I just we just put in a little bit more statistical rigor uh, to get to it so eventually every nominee was scored and then we normalized and then said okay that was below therefore here's our decision uh, and just because they were below doesn't mean they were out there would be ways in which we would have we had a wait list we had approvals we had rejections.
1: We'll be back after a very quick break. Enjoying the podcast? Want to learn more about C-suite marketing? Send us a comment and we'll add you to a drawing to win a copy of my colleague Bev Burgess's book, Executive Engagement Strategies, how to have conversations and develop relationships that build B2B business. Okay, now back to the show. Let's talk about the pivot. How have you adjusted immediately, and then how are you thinking a little bit longer term about where to take the program?
0: Yeah, it's that's a much harder one to answer. But first, we have to look at like you know, what's going on right now, and then where. What do we believe? And uh, and Microsoft as a whole, we I would say, when it comes to health and customer well-being. I won't say we like to be innovative. We like to be the most conservative uh, group out there. We want to take, if the government is giving us a bar, then we go like, okay, how can we have a higher bar to make sure that we definitely take care of our employees even more and our customers even more when it comes to everything? So given that there's a lot of guidance that comes from our leadership on, like, here's what we think, here's what the local governments are saying, here's what we recommend as a result, uh, and given that uh, we are going we'll be working from home till at least September, or there are events, internal events that shall be digital till June of 2021. That's already confirmed. Right. So we, we already made those kind of statements uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, was was around about April, March. It was already was when we decided that this is going to happen. Uh, and as a result, everything else comes from that. But when we were looking through it, what we looked at was like, this is a global societal kind of a crisis. And for that, I think what our customers are looking for or what we would like to go for is like a multi time scale manner to approach. Here, what do we do now? What do we do in the near future? And then what do we do in the long-term future? So it's no longer just here's the information we have to parse it out in terms of is it going to help that person now in how they're dealing with it because they're in the middle of a crisis and a pandemic? And if it's a global company, then they have to work with all the global entities. That's one in terms of a time scale to start thinking about. Second was the multi dimensional way in which we are going to be having these conversations. Uh, before, it would be for the most part business, technology. Like, like years ago, it was just we would talk technology but then we started talking business and technology with business leading the technology conversations and that was our transformation but now before all of those comes health health for our customers employees health for their uh, ecosystem and then you can pick uh, healthcare transportation that business is about an ecosystem which is about proximity uh, so how are we helping their employees how are we helping their supply chain health then there's political conversations that uh, different global. They're they're forced to. They're societal. Then comes business. But overall, when we started realizing it, uh, some of the traits, the words we heard from our uh, customers was mental health, and there was a conversation about HR bringing uh, being brought in. And if and I listed all of that, I did not even list technology. Right. Uh, but these are conversations we kind of did not have before, but now we have to think about all of those. If you're going across a table, that'll be these uh, dimensions across, do we want to hear about health now? How good is going to help in the near future and in the future? Then societal or uh, right. business now, near, future. And then you start thinking about how do I orchestrate insights, just like we did before,
1: right. but in
0: which bucket or which box
1: do you think that is a longer-term change as well that you're going to ha- you're going to continue to have these much even broader public health and political and societal kinds of discussions as more integrated with the you know more direct business and technology, or is that a do you think that's a that's part of the net reacting to now phase? Looking back, it feels like we are running.
0: In ignorance like like a couple oh. of variables we optimized for now we are being woken up and then said like there are these six other variables but what really does matter when push comes to show well school shut down and all of a sudden i'm an educator at home i, I it's not my choice right it's what i have to do uh, uh then there's health decisions with my you know my eight-year-old mother-in-law living with us what decisions do I take in terms of is really going to have a going to the bar that important that I put uh, her in risk because I might come out of it, but she might not. So those kind of thoughts, I don't think there's go, going back to that. Mm-hmm. What it comes to bear is like we start increasing the variables across which we prioritize and design our experiences. And as a business leader, at least the, the kind of business leaders we talk to. I think that this is a change that is have us think about more variables, be a lot more holistic in how we look at these strategies. Um, and from Microsoft perspective, if the technology does help for these leaders to move forward, sure. to have the health conversation, to bring the, the information to bear, bring it make faster decisions, uh, to communicate with uh, people across the board, uh, uh, all the way to the frontline worker and uh, because it does help in a way in which you can do that so uh, I think the conversation uh, the, the the twist for us to have holistical conversation that's not going back to you know let's just look at two variables
1: ignore yeah. health. ignore yeah. political I love this Pradeep it's so the, the what we talk about has expanded quite yes. dramatically along with changing now let's talk about the how you know what are the mechanics of this when you can't get together face-to-face for maybe the next year, maybe longer. Yeah, so from our end, Office 365
0: has been our biggest friend. Um, And uh, we start with intent. So we use Microsoft Forms and then we start, we used to do that before, but now it's just like, okay, that's how we do that. Uh, We actually ask customers, what do you want to hear about? And then they give us input. We have voting, there's feedback, uh, we have channels on teams that we've enabled for our board. So the conversation happens before they even show up. Before, we would not send an email. We would not do that. But now they're engaging because that's how you have to do right. to do that. Uh, right. So that led to pre-reads. So we got the information. Then I gave it to the team saying, okay, we already have this. Can you summarize? And then they gave me what you'd want to present because... We don't have a captive audience in a room where I can just go 50 slides yeah. per hour for 10 hours. Uh, right. Not, not, I'm not saying we used to have 50 slides in the session. We had 35, but still.
1: Well, sure. But I'm, I'm guessing you would, you know, you're really respecting executives' time. Yes. And so if you're getting them together for two days, you're not also asking them to do a lot of pre-work. You didn't really do that because yes, they're already doing you know, not. So fun. now
0: we gave them free reads and every single session had a pre-read. And we had two choices we had there. We told our session leaders. One, you actually write it down and then have people read it. Or if you, if, because prose writing is a skill. Absolutely. Not, all, not everyone has it. Uh, so if you cannot do that or don't feel like that is the best way you can articulate, then do a video. It's you presenting with your, uh, slides and you talk through and then some people feel comfortable that way some people are better writing either way the point was get your point across and be very clear give the context and ask the question that you think you're going to have and engage Uh, so we did that then we pushed the boundary to say like whoa if you went all the far all that much and then ask them to read it why don't we just ask the question instead of wait for the call to ask the question Ah. So so we actually even created forms after that, gave them deadlines. It was a week before to actually for them to read and respond to it. So this brought in some level of, we went from a synchronous, you shall all be in the same place, same time, and information will go back and forth very fast. Right, as a synchronous thing. to an asynchronous, where we just give everything to you batched up, you have a week, and given that there's a global pandemic for you and in your and every part of the world, you have a whole week to consume it and then respond to your questions. And then uh, but by the end of the week, we got the insights for what people thought for each of the questions. Now, I, we had an interesting dilemma. Initially, we thought C level executives in the middle of a pandemic, they're not going to look through three hours of content and videos and respond. To my uh, 30 question uh, conjoint, which we had one, because I was just testing, would they respond to like, that conjoint, which was detailed, which uh, again we got debated on, saying that no exec would fill that, was the most filled survey. Wow. Yes, everyone uh, everyone else <laughs> I filled the other one, about a half filled this one. Again, 50% is a great number for any research. Absolutely. Uh, this one got 70% filled out, every single question uh, on a much longer one. And I just put it as like, let's try. If you fail, you were right. But if you didn't come on, you got insight. So they did fill that out. Now we had the option of like, okay, let's actually talk about it like we had planned or let's actually run the insights and then do the insights and then ask the next level of questions. And say, you told us this, here's what we think. Here's a few more choices based what based on what you told us and then talk about that in the meeting which is adding on to that. Like we heard you, here's the next level. We did that with with them and they loved it. And we got so much insight. Now, comparing this with previously, we just did two iterations, which normally would have taken me the whole year in two meetings that were happened. Now we just did that within just one meeting and we just moved the conversation significantly forward. And in addition to that, we just, at the end of it, we said, that's what we're doing and you got all the data and we're moving to the next step. Uh, do you want to pilot with us? I got five, custom, five of the C-level executives actually said, we'll pilot it with you as we build this so we can get it right. Uh, that, that was a year and a half worth of work that because wow. of the pandemic happened in a day and a half. Digital, didn't meet anyone, right? That work, yeah, teams, okay. forms, and all of it, but there's some structure and
1: process and thought behind this uh, well, work And it's also, I mean, you had built up a lot of trust with this group already. Yes. But right? right. so building off of that. Yes. You know, so that's something I, I do wonder about going forward when there's a difference maybe between an existing group and program. Now you have to take a digital, you're trying some new approaches, you're testing, you know, different mechanisms, but you already had that trust.
0: That's right.
1: Um, so I, I actually, I want to go in two quick, different directions with that. Okay. First one is just with that group for um, so the existing group, I'm sure a lot of the value for them is also spending time with each other, with their peers. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they're getting insight from you, they're influencing you, but they're also learning from each other. That seems harder to replicate digitally, especially as you said, even you're moving to some asynchronous. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, how, how are you able to, or to what extent are you able to still continue some of that peer sharing networking bonding experience? So th- this is the part where
0: uh, I'm going to say like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm more millennial than lead the other way, but what we saw with our execs was they leaned in just fine. So there is the asynchronous, pre-read, which gives deeper insight, which we did not do before because we felt like, well, you we cannot engage that much because they're anyway investing time and taking a flight and coming here. But the meeting itself was still run on Teams where we did have a call. So that was still a synchronous conversation a presentation, everybody speaking. But still, it would be 30 people in a speaking. It is still a linear stuff. Only one voice is going across, which means out of 30 plus five, six Microsoft execs, the others are listening or or typically, the Western culture, waiting for their chance to talk. (laughs) 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 But but they should be listening uh, on that mode. Here's what Teams does. Teams now says like, for the rest of you, engage in chat. So while two people are speaking, and these are all C-level executives running solid companies, they can parse what's going on pretty easily with a portion of their they brain. They can easily also go on a conversation here. So while this is going on, there's a couple of execs saying like, I'm a pilot this and then three, four others liking it. And then there are some expression, like you can also have expressions that come to bear, like a funny meme, a GIF being thrown, CEO, My. CIOs, they still love memes. There were a couple of cat memes thrown in there that was going on. And that is not something in uh, in a real life scenario. You won't be doing that. They're probably going to be on their phone looking, checking their email. Whereas here, right. they were engaging with chat. They're being funny with a few other people. And from our end, we also had a couple of people to just, to be the, mo- I won't say moderators, as much as emceeing the chat conversation. So while there's conversation going on live uh, on the talk uh, means, there was also the type of chat means where which people could engage. And the third thing that we used was live poll. You'd ask a question and in real time, as people use their devices to respond, the survey results would show up and then you'd go deep in terms of the data and then lead to an insight, which is something we did even in a live forum. But this ability to have two conversations going on, which was related to the same theme And then uh, we would have that MC say like, hey, six other people said this on chat, Uh, can you comment on this? So while they were going on, there were other comments that were happening on chat and getting likes, uh, which added on, that was very rich. It's very hard to replicate that in a live scenario. So I don't think it's worse, It's it's different. There's still ways in which you can get more value in terms of depth of insight and the ways in which we were um, we got the agility to move to the next step. Yeah. I would even argue was our digital experience much better than in person uh, for how we did that.
1: No, it's uh, very interesting, and it, you know the the facilitation skills, yeah. which are so important live, yes. are equally important but different.
0: That's right. right? And that's why when I set the program up, I was talking about we designed experiences. Right uh and uh, now we were just given the constraint of oh in person not happening okay now we designed for that constraint uh and we were trying like let's at least get the same outcome but we got significantly more um one more insight was before there would be customers who would actually make a decision that week oh i have this other conference call or i have my whatever because these are c-level executives and they would okay. either not even show up or cancel up front and be very clear and take that or last minute cancellation. We've had all three. Sure. This time there were customers who reached out and said, Hey, I cannot make it because the COVID is hitting us really bad. I have to run my company. <laughs> Fair enough. It's a pandemic. Uh-huh. So I cannot come, but this is very important to me. I will do the pre-read. I'm going to give you all the input and I'm going to finish that. Here you go. Uh, just send me the report afterwards or send me any messages. Mm. That voice and input, it was almost like, if you want to be part of this, come here. Otherwise you're out. This was truly more inclusive for people who had a constraint and still there were some folks who said I couldn't do that. There was also, but on the other hand, I'm going so pro-digital. What this forced is the meeting that we had was horrible for a few people. Like We had it late in Pacific Northwest time uh, which would make it really horrible for India, which is literally the other side. Uh, so, Right. So the those customers said, like, this is really bad. But we had only three uh, in yeah. that time zone. Wow. Um, so it was like, okay, where, who are we calling the
1: yeah. most?
0: And it was really like a dice kind of a thing uh, that we went with. Uh, uh, and, and, and India was, was what where it, it happened. But those customers did respond up front and gave their voice being heard as opposed to they might not even have showed up. So there's pros and cons to it. The purpose, the design the uh, on, on how you're doing that was the same. It just manifested itself in a very different engagement.
1: Well, right, it's time instead of space in a way, right? Yeah. I mean, when yes. you have a global program, you're always thinking about where that's that would to be what time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just one very last question. One of the things we always talk about is orchestration. And I know mm-hmm. you used the term earlier in terms yes. of orchestrating this program and the people and the participants. But the reality is that there are many, many other programs and activities going on around Microsoft, mm-hmm. other marketing programs, salespeople, account people, yeah executives are also trying to connect with the same executives. And so how do you orchestrate that larger experience for these customers to make sure that there's not a conflict or tension, that it's, it's an overall positive experience? Yeah, so
0: the role I would say that we play at the board uh, or my role, is, it's just like if you're taking a football, American football analogy, I am not a player. I'm not playing QB. I'm not playing a running, I'm not a player at all. I might be a coach if you put in that, but realistically I would say, I'm the assistant coach. Ah. (laughs) Because the the coaches would be our execs in that role, but the assistant coach who's actually bringing to bear closer to the players and Ah. getting closer to the data and then bringing it up to the coach and then saying like, hey coach, here's here's all the stuff. Here's options. Here's my recommendation pick your call and then the coach really makes the call. So it's the assistant coach role that, that we play. So let me give them that analogy. Uh, the players in this are the people who run their programs. The players in this are the field people. So every single content or session that we have in our two and a half days uh-huh. is run by a business unit or a product or what or, or we call a solution area, or it would be by the field leaders and then similar to a coach i hold them accountable to like you should do these drills this is what great looks like and i hold them accountable to those bars otherwise you're not going to be on the plane you might not even make it to the bench you're on the list i literally opened that up to all our business and then said like here's what a good session looks like you tell me what your questions that in your business that you need to get answered you tell me how you're going to ask those and i'll coach you through if that's the best way if that's the best to talk Go for it. So that's getting content in, but the orchestration part of it is also like making sure all this happens in a timely manner, in the rhythm of the business. They all get their voices to be heard, but they are also being there's clarity in terms of what they have to do. There are deadlines given so that the questions are brought forth. Then how we clean each of the sessions, uh, and then follow up. Very very important after the questions are asked and you've got the insights what are you going to do based on that and i hold them accountable to the actions that they're going to take based on that and then in the next meeting we start with thank you customers for these insights. here's the actions that the teams have taken based on that and they thank you for these they're going to, here's where they're just going to even go a little deeper on uh, and there's a few where we would come back for the v2 v3 so we keep working on those and that's that orchestration which is again across time but overall it is about bringing the team to play and be the best that they can be and we are just like making sure it is at the bar that the customers would keep coming to the game so that we can all play together but Hopefully that analogy works
1: for you. Oh yeah, no, that's good, at least for for us football fans in the U.S. No, that's fabulous. Pradeep, thank you. Any last thoughts as you look out over the next months and maybe even the next couple of years? Yeah, I I mean, overall, I think it's, it's
0: about finding clarity. Like, we are all in the middle of this pandemic. There are constraints thrown at us that we feel like, okay, we are reacting to, and there is a mental health issue to it that should not be trivialized. Um, but ultimately it comes down to clarity of thought on like, what are we trying to do here? And, uh, and typically clarity is about eliminating options and then aligning with values. In this case, the pandemic has taken out significant amount of options. And instead of complaining that it has, you could go with like, well, I just wanna eliminate options. It's already been done for me, the work is done. So my call to action would be like, align with values. Be very clear about the values that you stand for, what you're trying to achieve, and then get the clarity And then there are many ways to achieve that if it's all 100% digital or means to do it. Uh, But truly, I believe we can move forward more innovatively and get the insights you're looking forward. So be healthy, everyone, Uh, do the right thing. I think we're coming out of this together.
1: Excellent, that's a good way to end. Thank you so much, a really interesting conversation. Uh, Continued good luck with the program and the work, and uh, we will speak to you soon.
0: Yep. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for the opportunity. Take care. Yeah.
1: Thanks for listening to C-Suite Marketing. I hope you got at least a few new ideas. Let us know what you think and send along any questions or suggestions for upcoming episodes. And if you really enjoyed the show, do us a favor and tell two friends. Do us another favor and check out our sponsor, Boardroom Insiders a business intelligence platform that makes executive engagement easier than ever. Boardroom Insiders helps you close bigger deals faster. Learn more at boardroominsiders.com. And don't forget to visit us at itsma.com for more on this podcast and more insight and inspiration on executive engagement, account-based marketing, thought leadership, and other B2B marketing priorities. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.